Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the word. This morning, uh, just in light of it being Mother's Day, a f- you know, a few days ago, I just like, okay, Lord, I know you want to do something different. What is it? And, uh, and I just kind of kept trying to prepare for this morning, and, and I knew I wasn't heading in the right direction, wasn't getting traction. And I finally was like, okay, I got to quit fighting this. And so I actually ended up uh, FaceTime these four amazing women over here and asked them if they'd be willing to speak this morning. And so, uh, you know, I just want to say this. I, I, I didn't necessarily ask them to speak this morning because this is something they are comfortable with. I didn't ask them to speak this morning because it's something that all of them have done many times. I, I asked them to speak this morning because I believe, first of all, in their walk with God. And second of all, I believe that they have something to say to us. Amen. And so even though this morning may be a touch different because we're passing the mic and all that stuff, uh, I would encourage you guys to remember it's the same God, same truth, same word, and to open up your hearts, get hungry, and believe that Jesus will speak to you because I believe he will, okay? And and I'll say this, that if you want to fulfill your purpose in God, if you're serious about your purpose in God, then I would encourage you to listen to what these guys are saying because I believe it's impossible to do that without doing what they say today. Amen? Amen? Amen. So with that... Candace, if you come, bring it. All right. Good morning, Anchor family. So myself, along with uh, three other amazing women that are part of this Anchor family, um, Jen and Anna and Sarah, have the privilege of sharing with you this morning something that God has laid on our hearts. And it's not just a message for moms. This message is for men, women, kids, no matter what stage of life you're in this morning. So this is Wild Mountain Goats and Honeybees. And I hope that that's the strangest title you've ever heard and it sticks with you. And why Wild Mountain Goats and Honeybees? Well, the two women that we'll be talking mostly about this morning um, out of Judges 4, their names um, mean Wild Mountain Goat and Honeybees. So we've got Deborah from the Bible. Her Her name means honeybee, and you've got JL, and she is the wild mountain goat. And just like the meaning of their names are so completely opposite, I don't know how you would even begin to compare a honeybee and a wild mountain goat, we have everyone in this room is completely different. We come from different backgrounds, right? We look different. Some of us talk a little different, right? Um, I cannot master the main accent. All right. Uh, Some of us talk a little bit different, but we all do have something in common, which is that we are a part of the kingdom of God. And just like God used the differences of these women to bring about a great victory, God wants to use every person in this room to fulfill his purposes and to bring about his kingdom. Amen? So... We have all been called to play a part about bringing God's kingdom here on earth. So whether you are male or female, parent or kidless, <laughs> married or single, grown up or a kid, just a reminder, this is for you today. Our hearts 
for this moment is that we would all awaken to what God is doing, our identity in him, the authority that he has given us, the responsibilities that he has entrusted us with, and the opportunities he is placing before us. So we're going to go into Judges 4, and it's a little bit of a read, but I believe in you. And I will probably mispronounce things, and you can email Pastor Quentin about it later. All right. So starting in verse 1, it says, But after Ehud died, the Israelites again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in somewhere, a fortress or a city, the nation's. You got it. You can come tell me how to say it later. Then the Israelites cried to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron and had severely oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They were like, this is bad. Help. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Labadoth, judged Israel at that time. She sat under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came up to her for judgment. So there we have Deborah. She was appointed judge. She was like a, a prophetess at that time. And she sent and called Barak, son of Abinoam from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, so she calls to this commander, and she says, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 men from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you at the river of Kishon with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you go with me, then I will go. But if you do not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I'll surely go with you, but nevertheless, the trip you will take will not be for your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Then Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali of Kadesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. So they, they're going to war, all right? Now Heber, the Kenite of the descendants of Hoab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated from the Kenites and encamped as far away as the oak in Zanon. Y'all try that one. Which is near Kadesh. When it was told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinom, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him, and they went to the river of Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Up! For this is the day when the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Is it not the Lord who's gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord confused and terrified Sisera and his chariot drivers and all his army before Barak and the sword. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled on foot. So here come the Israelites. They're attacking and he gets scared. And he's like, uh-oh, God's with him. And he takes off running. But Barak pursued after the chariots, the army, and all the army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a man was left, but Sisera fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace. There was peace between their households. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me. Have no fear. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. 
And he said to her, Give me, I pray you, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is there any man here? Tell him no. But Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent pin and a hammer in her hand and went softly to him. It says it. Went softly to him and drove the pin through his temple and into the ground, for he was in a deep sleep from weariness. So he died. And beheld, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I'll show you the man you seek. Look, he's here on the floor. And when he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the tent peg was in his temple. So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites bore more and more upon Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed him. So again this morning... We want to awaken, right, out of this scripture. There's things that we can gather. And what we want to gather is that we want to awake to our God-given identity. We want to awake to the authority that God has given us. We want to awake to our God-given responsibilities. And we want to awake to the opportunity that he has laid before us. Because just like Deborah and Jael were living out their lives like this, God has called us, God has called each and every one of us to awaken to who he is and what he has said so we can do what he has for us to do for his kingdom. Amen? Well, good morning, y'all. I'm Sarah, in case you don't know, and I get the privilege of talking about something that is really, really deep and dear to me. Because I've walked this path a lot. That's why I'm standing here today. Because without this, I would not be right here. If I didn't know my identity, I would not be here. So we're just going to dive right in. We're talking about JL and Deborah. These were two completely different women who walked very different paths. But we know them because of their heroic deeds and fulfilling the purposes that God had for them. But how did they do this? There was an identity that they awoke to. But what exactly does identity mean? It's a word we talk about a lot. We hear it thrown all over the place about identity. It's talked about extensively. But what does it mean in the life of a believer? What does it mean for us? Well, we're going to start first by defining it. So I went to the dictionary and I looked it up. And it says, identity, condition or character as to who a person or what a thing is. The qualities, beliefs that distinguish or identify a person the condition of being oneself and not another, the exact likeness in nature or qualities. So that's what it means in the natural. But what does it mean in the supernatural to have an identity in Christ? I identify as a Christian, so the first place I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the Word. I'm gonna say, what does it say about me? What does he say about me? Well, the Word says we are more than conquerors, Romans 8, 37. I am a new creation, 1 Corinthians 5, 17. I have his righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I am a royal priesthood and chosen, 1 Peter 2, 9. I am a daughter and a son, 2 Corinthians 6, 18. I am loved, Jeremiah 31, 3, John 3, 16. I am an overcomer, 1 John 5, 4. We are his heirs. Roman 8:17. The list can go on and on. This is just the tip of the iceberg about what he says about us. So let's go back to the natural. You know, I clean the church. 
I take care of my home. I homeschool my children. You know, I cook. You know, but those things, those are just things that I do. That's not who I am. That is not my identity. Those are just things that I do every day. In the natural, I'm also a mom of three boys, a daughter, a sister, Tommy's wife. But as a believer, I have come to be more. I have joined the family of Christ, and I now have his DNA. And this DNA should be so grafted inside of me that it shows in every area of my life. It cannot be separated. Being a Christian and follower of Christ means that I have his likeness and that I begin to reflect him. And this is one of the reasons that the enemy comes in to attack our identity. If he can make us doubt who we are and who we belong to, everything that is done and built on top of that can be shaken and easily destroyed. Because the most important part of any structure is its foundation. So if he can break that, everything will crumble. So let's take it back to Deborah and JL. They know who they were and they know whose they were. They knew that they were part of God's chosen people and that gave them the confidence to do what needed to be done when the time came. Deborah had a role that was very uncommon for women, but she was secure in her position because she knew what she was called to do. Her confidence came because she knew her God. And when we know him, and we take his identity, we can hear and do what he says. JL, on the other hand, she wasn't a judge or a ruler. She was the wife of a tent maker. She was living on the outside, just doing her thing, living every day. But because she was a daughter of God when the time came, she was ready. Her every day may have been learning her trade and living faithfully, but that made her ready when God called her to action. If what we did in the natural and every day was our identity, she would have never been able to rise to the occasion. I'm just a tent maker. I can't defeat an enemy. Instead, I'm part of God's chosen people, and here is an enemy of God's people. I know exactly what to do with this tent stake. <laughs> she acted without hesitation, and because of that, the battle was won. So when we walk out our God-given identity, we gain peace, confidence, freedom, intimacy, and the ability to fulfill his purposes. So I'll leave you with this. Beloved, if you truly know the heart of the Father towards you, you will not doubt his love or his plan for you. You will walk freely in who he created you to be without the constant lie that you aren't enough or you don't measure up. Rise up and awake to your identity in him and watch what he will do. See how your life and your mind will change. Daniel 11.32 says, Those who know their God will carry out great exploits. So let's say yes to our God-given identity. Amen. When we say yes to our God-given identity, then we are able to walk out the opportunity to walk in the authority that he grants us. Our point number two, awake to authority. Authority is the ability, the right, the privilege, or power to do something that comes from another person or source. 
Think about a police officer standing in the middle of the road in his own physical power. He has no ability to stop oncoming traffic. But because of the badge, the representation of the authority that he walks in, he is able to say and stop traffic, right? This is authority. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Where did he get this authority? God is the source of this power. God gave the authority to him. God is omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful and holding unlimited power. And guess what? Jesus has this authority, but that didn't mean he just functioned in it on his own and in his own strength. No, in order to walk in the authority that God has given, he had to first live under authority. We see it all through the Bible. Jesus walked under authority and therefore walked in his authority. Romans 8:17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And Luke 10, 19 says, listen carefully, I have given you authority that you possess now to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all power of the enemy, Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. Can you say amen to that? Doesn't that sound awesome? You want to live in that place? (laughs) Well, if we want to, we have to follow Jesus's example. We must live and walk under authority before we can walk in the authority that he has granted us. How do we do this? By following, again, Jesus' example. We are to rule and to reign with him. We are to destroy the works of the enemy. We must be under authority, which means we're under God's word. We're going to live by his word. We're going to obey his word. We're going to follow his ways. And if we don't, that is a representation. Like our level of obedience to his word is a direct reflection of our obedience to God and to his authority in our lives. We have a true enemy, Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we see how he tempted Jesus in the desert. He tempted him to misuse, to dodge, and even to trade his authority for a counterfeit. And the devil offers the same to us, too. And so you must be aware. Don't settle for a counterfeit authority. We must know the word, live the word, and overcome with the word. In Judges 4-5, we see that Deborah sat between... Rama and Bethel. Rama meant a high place and seat of idolatry, and Bethel means house of God. She was literally setting between good and evil, between right and wrong, yet she walked under and walked out her authority by discerning and declaring the word and the way of the Lord. Jael found herself caught between a family with alliances with the enemy and making a stand for what was right, but she chose what was right. Barak, when he saw that Sisera had been defeated, here he is with a peg in his head, he could have said, you know, well done, let's, let's pack our bags and go home. But he continued to fight the fight and took off after, and once they took out the king, then the victory was won and there was peace in the land. Too often we find ourselves caught in the middle, pulled between two opinions, but we better know the word. We better know and discern right and wrong. We better know and declare truth. May that be what defines us. Like Deborah and like Jael, the honeybee and the mountain goat, may we be sure-footed 
on Jesus, the rock. May we take the minimal and common things and make them sweet. May we be able to discern between right and wrong, good and evil, the truth and the lies. We must stand on Jesus, our rock and foundation. We must say yes to being under God's authority, living before him, following his word, following his ways. We must say yes to our God-given authority and take action against the enemy. Let's say yes to authority. Point three, awake to your responsibility. As I looked over this passage of scripture, it was quite easy at first glance to see that these two women had very different responsibilities when looking from the outside in. We see that Deborah was a judge during that day. God gave her the wisdom, discernment, and courage she needed to judge the nation. Judges 5-7 describes Deborah as a mother of Israel. She was in leadership. She was hearing from God, and she was influencing a nation. From what we know of Jael, she was married to a man who became an ally to the enemy. She worked hard. She was becoming an expert in all phases of making and pitching tents. This task or responsibility required physical strength and stamina. She very much had what some of us might consider an everyday type of responsibility. The type of responsibility that seems to go unnoticed at times, that doesn't look glamorous, or that might even seem like it has no real meaning or purpose. And yet, she worked at it faithfully. She understood the importance of being faithful in the little. There is a bigger story unfolding, a bigger purpose to her mundane, everyday responsibilities, even though she couldn't see it. God was preparing her for what was to come. So we can see that these were two women with very different responsibilities. But as I looked closer in this story, I saw a similarity between these two women. And on the topic of responsibility, I think it's worth mentioning. These women had a similar view of who God was. Their God was mighty. Their God was faithful. Their God was able to redeem. Their God was moving. And their God was doing what he said he would do. Ephesians 3:20 through 21 says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So what I see from this verse and from this story is this. Our responsibility will be as great or as small as our view of who God is. It has less to do with who we are and what our abilities may or may not be, and much more to do with who we believe he is. If we hold great responsibility but have a small view of God, then that will shape what we expect as an outcome. If we hold great responsibility or what might look like small responsibility, but we fix our eyes on God and who he is, we realize the title or outward appearance of our responsibility is not its full measure. The value and importance of what we are doing is found in God, 
We believe that he has a much bigger purpose and plan than we could ever ask for or imagine. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul, that is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you actually serve. So I want to encourage you today, no matter what season of life you are in, no matter how big or how little your responsibility may seem to you or to others, God can work in and through you to influence a person, a family, and even a nation for his purposes and glory. I'm not sure what that looks like for each and every one of you, and I'm sure it looks different. It may mean going home and continuing to pray in faith for that husband, wife, father, sister, or friend. It may mean continuing to show up at work in faith, even if you don't understand where it's leading. It may look like continuing to do the day-to-day tasks excellently in faith as a mother, father, husband, or wife. Why? Because our God is mighty, our God is faithful, our God is able to redeem, our God is moving, and he is doing what he said he would do. Let's say yes to our God-given responsibility. Awesome. So if we look at Judges 5, Verse 12, Deborah is singing a song, and she says, Awake, awake, Deborah. She's talking to herself. A lot of times, to awaken to our God given identity, to awaken to our God given authority, to awaken to see the purpose and our God given responsibilities, we have to speak to ourselves. Let's go ahead and practice it. Put your hand over your heart and say, awake. Where's your gumption? (laughs) Awake, awake. This is who God says you are. When the enemy is coming at you with lies and saying, who do you think you are? Awake, awake. I am a child of the most high God. Awake, awake. This is the authority that you have. Awake in my soul and see that God has given me the authority over the powers, over the enemy. So why would I lie back and pretend like I don't have authority here? I do. When the enemy comes and says, well, who do you think you are? Awake, awake to who God has said the authority he has given me. Awake, awake to the position that God has placed you in and the purpose in what he has set before you. Awake, awake, there is purpose in every responsibility. And then she didn't just speak to herself. She turns in that same verse and she says, Arise, arise, Barak, to what God has said. So you have to be awake and alert to what God is doing and saying, not only for yourself, but you become awake and alert so that you can speak to those around you as well. 
so that you can speak life and encouragement and call out the gold in them, call out the king and queen that God has set them as, and begin to shift things in their lives and begin to shift things in the atmosphere. You can even begin to say, awake, awake, Maine, to who God has called you to be. So why is that important? Why is it important for us to be awake to all of these things? 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, it says, Be well-balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. Why? For that enemy of yours, the devil, he roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour withstand him awake withstand him be firm in faith against his onset to do that we have to be rooted established strong immovable and determined and not by our might or power right but by his spirit says the lord which brings us to our fourth point we have to awake to opportunity awake to your opportunity you turn to your neighbor and say awake Like you mean it. All right. God is looking for opportunities in your life. Every problem that we face is an opportunity. He sees it as an opportunity to be able to bring you closer, to be able to bring in truth, to show you a new side of who he is, right? Because we still haven't seen all of him. And he wants to use that as an opportunity to use you to further his kingdom. But guess what? so does the enemy. He wants to use that as an opportunity to plant another lie. He wants to use that as an opportunity to twist your identity, to twist who God is. He wants to use that opportunity to say that you don't have a place, that you don't have a voice, that the battle is lost. He wants to use that opportunity to use you to bring division amongst your family, your workplace. So we have to be awake and alert to this. Both Deborah and JL could have easily given into the enemy's opportunity for their life. They both could have let fear take over. They could have both played out all of the what ifs and decided that they were great enough not to trust God. They both could have said, well, who will know if I don't obey? They could have said, this is too much. This is too big. This is too hard. I'm out. But they didn't. Their choice of obedience was based off of their faith in God, the God-given identity they had in him, the authority he had given them, and their everyday obedience and their responsibilities had led them to that moment, and it changed generations. Their choice didn't just affect them. It says that after this battle was won, after, you know, go team, they all worked together, there was peace for 40 years. That 40 years actually represents a generation. So don't ever underestimate what God can do with your yes. I want to go back to JL before we close. There's something key here in the opportunity that she was presented with. When the enemy showed up at her door, he presumed, he assumed that there was, and he was right, that there was peace between him and her household. And he wasn't even like the main guy. He wasn't the king. So he was under authority of the king, and he's like, well, I've been told by the king that there's peace here. So he comes in, and he begins to ask things of her. 
And she also shows up when she's alone and vulnerable. That's really key because that's when the enemy a lot of times will show up is when we're vulnerable. So that's not a time to sink back further. That's a time to reach out to the kingdom. It's a time to reach out to those around you and say, hey, I need backup. So he shows up when she's alone and she's vulnerable and he begins asking things of her and she covers him with a rug. This stands out to me because, do you remember the phrase, sweep it under the rug, right? What if JL would have just said, well, I'm alone in this, I'm afraid, sized him up, he's really big. What if I just sweep this under the rug? Who will know? It's just easier to keep the peace. Any peace that is offered from the enemy is a false peace. It is a false promise of security. It's a trap. But she turns it. Instead of giving into the enemy, she uses what she had, the skill that she had been developing in her everyday life, and she takes the peg to the enemy's head. Thought you were safe. Wrong. If there are places in your life where the enemy has thought it's safe to come in, that there's spiritual warfare going on, right? And Satan is like number one guy. And then he has minions. They're called demons and spirits. And if they have been like, oh, well, I've been given a go-ahead from this guy to go ahead and check it out here and see if it's safe and see if there's peace. If there are places where you've been like, well, I don't want to like ruffle feathers. I'd rather just let this slide. Or like this is normal, right, to be dealing with this. I don't want to face this. Or maybe it's because somebody else, like JL, it's her family, wasn't operating in truth. So it opened the door for the enemy to come in. Whether it's you or someone else, I want to encourage you today. Do not sweep it under the rug. Do not. Get the enemy out of your house. And I don't just mean your literal house. This is the house of the Lord. And you say, mm-mm, not on my watch. Awake. What do I use? Like, what do I use to get them out? Well, you are a child of God. You have the authority in Jesus' name. You have your worship. You have the word of God. You have prayer. These are the things that you've been using in your everyday life that God will use to destroy the enemy in places where he's tried to come in. And if you're like, well, I haven't been using that in my everyday life. Hello, opportunity. Await to the opportunity. Today is a great day to pick it up and become a skilled warrior. JL didn't need to be Deborah to take out the enemy. She just needed to be JL. You don't have to be someone else to do what God is calling you to do. You just need to awake, awaken to who God says you are. Awake to the authority and the position that he has given you. Awake to your God-given responsibilities, the training, the everyday that he has called and entrusted you with. And church, let's say yes. Let's say yes, even as if you're like, it's like with trembling. I don't know if her hands were shaking when she went to do that, but she still had a yes in your heart. If you have a yes in your heart today, can you just declare that? Just say yes. Yes Yes to our God-given identity. Yes to our God-given authority. Yes to our God-given responsibilities. And yes to our God-given opportunities. 
and we're going to pray. And as we do, if today is your day to awaken to who Jesus is and who he says you are, and you've never taken that first step of understanding your God-given identity, then today is the perfect opportunity. And all you have to do, it says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose again, and you say, Lord, I set you as the Lord of my life, thank you for being my Savior, then it is immediate that he comes to you. It is immediate that you are saved. It is immediate that you are washed clean. Father, forgive me for my sins. I set you in the high place. You are now the leader of my life. What an awesome day to do that. What a great opportunity And Father, we thank you for those of us that have already said yes to you, and maybe those that have just said yes to you in that moment. Father, we want to continue to say yes. Help us to stand against the enemy when he comes in of lies of who we are. Help us to stand on your truth and to take arms with those around us to stand in our identity, Father, as daughters of God, as sons of the Lord. Father, we thank you that we would stand in that identity, that we would walk on the authority that you've given us, that we wouldn't give the enemy room in our families, in our relationships, in our personal lives, but we would, starting today, we would say no, and we would take the authority that you have given us and we would claim that ground back for you back for your kingdom father we thank you that you would help us to see the responsibilities our jobs our families the the place the position that our house is in where we live that we would understand that this these are things that you have entrusted us with and that we would take on that responsibility and we would walk it out with your grace and your power father and we thank you jesus that we would have eyes to see the way that you do ears to hear the way that you do. And when you ask us to step out, when you present an opportunity that we would have a quick yes, whether that's a a telling someone hello, giving someone a hug, giving someone an encouragement, or it's taking a stand against the enemy. It's praying for someone who needs healing. God, whatever it is, we say yes to you. We're open to you, Father. Thank you for using us. Thank you for calling each of us. Thank you for empowering us to do the good works that you have called us to, like your word says. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.